his own. He gets the try. The red 78. We're both monster people. Trevor gets over the line. Try from outside. Nobody knows monster rugby better. Hello and welcome along. I'm Alan Quinlan and you're listening to episode 44 of the Red 78 here on the Rugby Channel. And with me as always is Neve Briggs, but we've also got a special guest this morning, Neve. Joining us today is Munster and Irish rugby legend CJ Stander. Uh, CJ, thanks a million for coming on. How's life? Uh, what's it like being back in Ireland? We did the game on Saturday. It was, it was, it was enjoyable. Ireland were happy they won, but what's it like for you being back here for the first time since... Uh, that shock decision to, the, to to decide to retire 18 months ago, is it? Around that now? Yeah. Hi, Quinny. Uh, and if you ask, good to be back. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, just uh, the last uh, few days has been special. Uh, just being back and just experiencing what we've always experienced as a family, to be uh, part of part of and uh, taken in uh, from the Irish culture and uh, the, the Ireland supporters and the Manchester supporters. Um, we, we were in Dublin for a few days and down in uh, Limerick now for a uh, for two days already, so uh, it's it's great to be back. Uh, yeah, I uh, probably think it was a big shock for for everyone, but uh, it was a decision that uh, I wouldn't say it was lightly uh, thought of, but um, I just knew it was the right time, the right decision, the right place to make it uh, to finally say goodbye and hang up the boots. And I think I shocked a few people by not going back and playing again. I think a lot of people said, "I ah, surely going to play again," but. Uh, I felt I always felt that uh, I'll never do that to the Manchester and Irish jersey to go somewhere else and uh, to uh, not ruin my image, but to ruin that relationship I have with uh, both teams and, and everyone involved. Do you yeah, have you've one hundred and fifty? Sorry, Neve. I just want to say call out your your number, CJ. You have one hundred and fifty six caps for Munster, which is very impressive, considering you know you were playing for Ireland for a lot of those couple of those years as well. Uh, 51 caps for Ireland and of course you were on that British and Irish Lions tour in 2017 and you came on in one of the tests if, I, if I'm right uh, you won in 2016 Rugby Writers Player of the Year 2000, and that was in uh, September I think in May that year you won Rugby Players Player of the Year award so you got brilliant recognition and had an incredible uh, impact in, in Irish rugby and I think um Certainly, question marks about the whole uh, overseas players coming here as project players and, and playing for, for different countries. It's obviously changed now. World Rugby have changed that up um, a good bit. Um, so what, what was the whole experience like as a youngster coming to, to Munster in 2012? And, and uh, tell us a little bit about the reaction and, and how you and Jean-Marie enjoyed that. Yeah, I think my journey was a bit different. Uh, I, I was playing at the Bulls and I remember Sean Payne uh, back then was uh, in South Africa for uh, looking for a winger, actually. And uh, I know you just uh, you were just retiring that year before and uh, there's, a, there's a bit of a, a gap in the loose forward rankings and he asked me about it and I, I didn't really take a lot of no- notice to it. And uh, he rang me up in June that year, uh, 2012, and he said, look, there's a big gap now. Uh, do you want to actually, do you want to, Come over. I think I signed a, a one-year, eight-month deal. Uh, that time it's, it felt a bit weird to sign a yeah. What was that? That's twenty-month uh, contract. And um, yeah, came over. No clue, no English. What I was doing. Uh, I knew about Munster. Obviously, I've seen him playing European games. And uh, my grandfather was a is a, is a big rugby fanatic. And uh, yeah, when we uh, when we arrived here, yeah, uh, obviously didn't have a lot of money. So uh, I have a great story that. 
I've told a few times that uh, staying in the Castle Troy Park Hotel for six days, and um, I think I had a thousand euros to my name, and uh, I was in a hotel uh, trying to save money because I was just engaged to Jamri, and uh, she was going to come over, uh, I think, at the end of November. Um, and I was cooking uh, two minute noodles and uh, and uh, eggs in the kettle, trying to save money. And uh, I went down. Nyla Donovan picked me up from the from the hotel. And uh, as I went down to reception, the lady asked me, "Did you enjoy the amenities, the pool and the spa and stuff?" And I said, "Ah, I thought I had to pay for that." She said, "No, no, no. It was all on the house." And uh, she said, "At least you probably enjoyed the breakfast, lunch, and dinner, the free breakfast, lunch, and dinner." So me there in the room, <laughs> yeah. At least I saved some money, uh, but um, uh, the journey and the and the experience we had was was unreal. You know, I think coming from uh, South Africa, we we've got our family and our friends close by, and uh, coming over here not having that support structure, man, I must say we were we lived in um, in a small estate in uh, in Limerick and uh, Milltown Manor, and the neighbors just pulled us in. We were we were almost had to to fight people off to have us over for dinners and for lunches. And uh, that uh, that made us feel welcome from the start. And then as soon as I got involved with the team, and the, the, the thing I realized is if you buy into the, the culture and the team, and um, also now uh, if you buy into the, the monster, the monster way, you know, um, people people want you there and they want to make sure you're happy and you're safe. You know, uh, a guy like Paul O'Connell made a lot of time for me and my family. And um, I remember the first time we met him, well, my wife, Jamri, met him. He knew exactly who she was, what she was doing swimming-wise. And for me, a guy who has 100 caps for Ireland, uh, to, to take some time to uh, spend some time to make sure he knows my family was, was quite impressive. And uh, we felt welcome from day one. Uh, that's why we came back this week, just to my wife couldn't say goodbye uh, because of COVID. So uh, she's been very emotional this whole week and I've just been driving her around. <laughs> CJ, I think just a couple of things there. So I remember my first time meeting you. We were both training on the track down in the arena and you had just broken your hand and you had played yeah. like, I think you went through a few training sessions, maybe half a game and not told anybody because you were afraid that if you, you had said, afraid <laughs> if you had told them that they'd have sent you back home. <laughs> um, but I, I think the biggest thing probably that, you know, uh, from my perspective, is do you, do you have any regrets in relation to retiring so early? Uh, Neve, yeah, that was that that uh, was special. You know, I asked when I broke my my hand, uh, I asked Ian, Ian Costello just to yeah. put it back into place on the pitch, and uh, I literally hit it away for about two weeks, and then I couldn't take it anymore because, like you know, my game, I can't, I didn't really pass uh, while I was playing. I couldn't pass then with a broken hand, so I'd worked out, but I just had too much pain. But uh, no, no regrets from uh, for retiring so early. I um, it was funny we we were playing against Harlequins uh, in a European game, and um, yes, I had a I, I felt I had a good game, and I was actually uh, lucky enough to be man of the match again. But I, I wasn't happy, and uh, I just got in the car that evening and rang Johan. Uh, we were very close and rang Jamri, and I said uh, we need to chat. Sat down, and I just said to him something is wrong. Uh, I don't really. I know what it, what it is, but I need this week just to make sure that, uh, but I think I'm going to retire. And both of my wife was like, <laughs> she laughed at me. She said, you're concussed or you're crazy. And uh, we just spoke about it and I sat down and we played Clermont the week after that. And uh, I, I knew then I was going to retire. So it just felt like, uh, big, uh, like, look, 
the last few few months and last few years sorry last few months i i i that edge of me being competitive i lost that um probably you couldn't see it as a, when you watch the games but in the gym uh, in my preparation i just felt i was a bit off and i and i knew i'm not going to get it back um the body's at 32 it's quite old um i've played a lot of games and uh, I, I prided myself uh, when i was playing that i always wanted to play 80 minutes I'm one of those guys who walked off the pitch when, uh, when Johan or Rassi or whatever, Axel pulled me off at 60 minutes. I would be like looking at the stand like, what the hell are you doing? Like, I'm supposed to play 80. So uh, I had my fair due. I had my fair due. So no regrets now. And when you made that decision, CJ, um, was it difficult kind of keeping it to yourself? Um, and did it give you, a, did it make you a bit more relaxed and comfortable? You know, when you have big decisions in your life to make and you actually make the decision, um, I don't know, maybe you're one of these people that kind of, once the decision is made, that's it. I, I would procrastinate over it. I would wonder, is the right thing, the wrong thing to do? Um, did you kind of go, right, decision is made, I'm happy, I'm comfortable. And how difficult was it kind of to keep it quiet? I um I rang a, a lot of people that uh, that's mentors to me and I spoke to them and I uh it was a fifty fifty result you know a lot of them were like you're crazy yeah, just take a bit of time sign another deal and uh, I just I I knew when I said it to myself that's it uh, I'm one of those guys if I make a decision I've uh, I follow a process and I got to that decision I said right that's it uh, I'm calling it here and uh, I I didn't look back I just rang a few mates and a few friends just to to let them know and uh, just to let them keep it quiet. But um, it wasn't at, uh, I, I didn't go around and tell everyone, but uh, I tried to keep it to myself. Uh, it wasn't that difficult. I felt way more relaxed and uh, it, it felt like I started enjoying rugby again. Um, it was one of those ones where I I was uh, I, I enjoyed the, the preparation and everything when it comes to a Saturday before the game. And then I just get this feeling in my body or in my mindset that, another game you know that was and I really hated that feeling I didn't I didn't uh, start playing rugby when I was a kid not to enjoy it so went through the whole week all, all the preparation all the training and then I get to a Saturday and I'll be like ah, oh, you know I'm not good enough or I'm not gonna I'm not gonna enjoy this and that that, that hit me a little bit as soon as I made that decision well, what, that was, was all gone was, is there a lot of pressure CJ on being a top class international or professional rugby player even even uh, you know, at club level, um, is there is there a lot of pressure, and is that can that be tricky for for you know you always portrayed someone who was very confident, um, and you kind of alluded a little bit there that you start doubting yourself a little bit in confidence. So it just probably goes to show every sports person can you know kind of have that a bit of emotional roller coaster. And are you relieved now that that pressure is gone? I always found when I retired, um. I loved every minute of the games and the buzz and the excitement and the gift we, we were given to be able to play um, at the top level. But I certainly didn't miss the performance, the pressure on Saturday. It's like going on stage, isn't it? If it's a good performance, you feel great. And if, you know, sometimes you can doubt yourself a little bit like that. I'm a confident guy. And, uh, you know, you um, as soon as you uh, lose that feeling that uh, you, uh, you you've got a lot of pressure, uh, coming from the outside, I think when I started evolving in the game and started turning into a leader in the, in the group and getting more involved in the squad and the in the and the monster setup in general and then on Ireland as well, I think there's a lot of pressure to perform as a as a senior player and as a 
as a leadership uh, player in the group, you know, so there's more lot lot more pressure, and I think that puts a damper and takes a bit of away from from your own personal game. Um, and in the last few years, it was uh, it was always from the beginning like that, but I just swept it off. But uh, to be a foreign player uh, was was a bit more difficult because I felt I had always had to perform a little bit better than uh, anyone else to make sure that I. Uh, get my place in the team, you know, because that is a talking point that um, that I did happen through my career. You know, it's, it's it was always like, yes, he's good, but there's another guy who's just as good. Why would we pick him? You know, so that uh, put a lot of pressure on me as well, and and the family as well. Uh, I think my wife did very well to uh, to make sure I stay calm, but she knew that uh, the way she needed to handle me during big weeks. Um, the big weeks was actually the ones I enjoyed. The smaller weeks where. Uh, we played away games against uh, Zebra or Treviso where we're probably more, more worried about performing and getting a win. CJ, we, we put out a tweet um, yesterday and, and Neve is going to... You, you, the Munster fans love you. Uh, absolutely love you. What you did for Munster, the passion you played with. So I put out a tweet yesterday as I do every week for the podcast and... Neve has uh, a load of questions there. She, uh, you Good. can, you can go through some of them, Neve. And uh, these are from the fans. We always try and engage the fans here in the podcast to have let them have their say with with Monsters' performances. But there's certainly a few questions for you there as well. And um, CJ, I, you'll see loads of them were actually not questions. They were just telling uh, you how much <laughs> they loved you, and uh, they tagged you on Twitter, so you can you can have a look at them. But. Um, Brian Lawler wanted to know what happened to your lovely Limerick accent and um, <laughs> how, how life is after rugby in South Africa and how different it is to Ireland. Uh, Brian, I never really had a Limerick accent. You know, I, it's funny when I'm in South Africa, when I speak English there, people don't understand me. You know, so I'm, I'm in limbo at the moment with uh, being uh, international or a foreigner in South Africa as well now. But uh, I'll uh, I'll take that. At least I learned my English uh, in Limerick. But uh, yeah, life after rugby is good. Uh, I spend a lot of time with the family. I'm in uh, construction, uh, so I'm a project manager on uh, at Valdivia Construction. So I do new developments, new homes, and a bit of restorations as well. So uh, that keeps me quite busy. And uh, the difference for me, uh, just being back, uh, is is just the weather. If the weather is a bit better, I would have stayed 100. percent but uh, but it's good to be back to close to the family as well. Uh, I think uh, my parents and my uh, family-in-law, when I see Everly, uh, you can just see the light in their eyes going up. So it's good to be back. That's brilliant. You're doing a lot of running now, I noticed, on uh, mm. social media. Um, how's that going? <laughs> no, that's Jamri's fault. Uh, she, uh, <laughs> s- someone uh, told her in, in, in primary school that she, uh, she runs like a Teletubby. And uh, she never ran, <laughs> so uh, she just started running, and uh, it's scary. She's uh, she's just signed a deal with uh, one of the biggest running clubs in South Africa, and uh, she's looking to do the New York Marathon in two years' time. So wow. uh, I just have to follow her. To uh, I don't know. I'm not very good. I'm too big. Quinny would know. We're not. We're not make to run too far. Uh, very good. Uh, Jack Quinn wanted to know if you had to kit out one last time. For Munster to play South Africa, or one last time to play for Ireland, what would it be? So, would you get out for Munster? Or would you get out for Ireland? 
Oh yeah, I was actually thinking about this. It would actually be great to play on Thursday night for Monster. Oh, I think hey. that's uh, that's gonna be. I think Thursday night's gonna be special. Uh, Barbecue sold out. Uh, Monster is probably struggling uh, a bit, but I think this is probably the kick they they need. You know, there's a lot of young guys coming through, and uh, but yeah, it'll be uh, Thursday night. It'll be unbelievable. Speaking of those young boys, Jack wants to know uh, the young players. Uh, who excites you most when in that young playing group? Look, I he's, he's probably it feels like he's a senior already, but Jack Crowley for me is uh, someone we need to pin down and realize that he's going to be uh, the next uh, the next big uh, ten out there. You know, he's he plays well. He, he knows how to handle the game, and he impressed me so much playing fullback. Um, he's he's already looks like he's a great leader in the squad. Uh, so he's someone that really stands out to me and it's good to see that uh, a younger guy like that has confidence in the team to stand up and, and do his own thing. Yeah, it's obviously, you know, huge, I think, especially within this group because there's so many young players there. It's important, I suppose, that they're starting to, to pull through. Um, Dara Crowley wants to know what your view on Munster's approach this year versus the Van Grand Razzie era. I think, um, like... <sighs> Look, with uh, all the new things, it takes a bit of a bit of a, a time to get together to regroup and stuff. I've actually watched their games intensely. Um, they the, the only thing that they need to sort out is looking after the ball. Uh, I think uh, if they can make sure they do that, um, the, obviously the fence has picked up a lot. Uh, um, all the everyone coming in with all the new coaches, I'm very impressed with the fence. Um, I checked. I just spoke about it earlier. The rock speed against Ulster was two seconds. If they just keep the ball, um, they would be very, very impressive. Uh, they've, they've scored some very good tries. And again, there's some young players coming through. So, big difference for me is um, they're, probably trying to, they're probably trying to look after the ball a bit more, um, especially with uh, Rassi's game plan. As you can see with the Springboks, uh, we never played in our own half and we just kicked the ball away and, and almost let the other team make the mistake. Um, and then we, we try to capitalize on that. But now at the moment, it looks like they're trying to uh, create more opportunities for themselves and, and see if they can play from anywhere. Yeah, I think that's kind of like indicative of where the game is going, to be fair. I think the game is involving a lot. And um, I think when you look at Razzie's style and um, say the style within Ireland at the moment, it's it's a bit like chalk and cheese to a certain extent in terms of, of that, that territory pressure. The last question we have for me is Tom Lundergan. He... he um, he tweets into us a lot and he wanted to know about the time that you called it a day, which you had already spoken about, but also he watched a Razzie video analysis of the Ireland South Africa tests on Saturday. And he wanted to know, like, is he, was he always like that post analysis? Like, I know we obviously watched the, I don't know if you got to see the brilliant South African documentary after, um, but the big thing that stuck out for me was Razzie's ability to, get his players on board, like to back his players, mm. to kind of fill you with confidence and didn't really matter what was happening outside the circle. He he just wanted to make sure that within that group. Um, look, there's obviously been a huge amount of things been made about those social media and stuff like that. Was he always kind of like that about getting players on board and getting them to play for him and maybe afterwards the, the, the social media stuff maybe? But Yeah, look, uh, Rossi, where... When he, when he coached us, you know, he had one thing he always said is that he doesn't really care anything about that happens during the week. Um, if As long as you play on Saturday and you play unbelievably well. So it um, doesn't matter what happened. You'll look after what what did, did happen, good or bad. 
Um, he never really crit- criticised the refs that much when uh, when he coached us. I think he goes at it a bit more now. But um, in, in fairness to him, he's very uh, his biggest skill is uh, the analytics that he does on teams and players and, and referees. You know, that's his big difference. And uh, he always always made sure that uh, we know exactly what's needed from us as a player, individual, and as a as a, as a squad in general. So he, uh, yeah, so he's always always been on on top of that and. Uh, he uh, he really made sure that uh, you you bought into into Saturday. It doesn't matter what happens during the week. So, do you mind me asking then? Just that's kind of like a very old school. We you, you speak these speak about Rocky Elson playing for Leinster. He wouldn't do much in the week and then rock up and be this amazing player in the match on a Saturday. Do you think that that then takes a huge amount of pressure off players to be able to say, look, relevant of how training has gone, I know come Saturday you're just going to blow it out of the water. Yeah, I think it takes a lot of pressure away, you know, because um, uh, like everyone wants to train well and play well, but sometimes things don't work. You know, I remember Joe, um, uh, we played Racing in 2016 away or 15, can't remember. We uh, we didn't really even train that week. We were shocking during the week and we went over there thinking to ourselves, wow, well, we're going to get out of here. Got off the plane and uh, we we're still playing in the old stadium and we just kicked the living hell out of them, you know. So that takes the pressure away, you know, because you do have that doubt in your head that you haven't trained well. What does a coach think? What does a backline coach, What what what's the thoughts going through the head, you know? And if, if you have a guy like that telling you that, look, training was bad, uh, and he does it, has done it as well before. Uh, when, when I was involved in Ireland, he just said, look, that that's the past, the past. Uh, just go on Saturday and then blow it out of the water. That's what you need. Brilliant. I like that. CJ, there's obviously um, loads of tweets that Neve could read out more of, um, but one, you know, as I said, as she said, um, most of the comments are saying, you know, you're a legend. They loved you. Um, how, how does that make you feel that you come back to a, a, a club that you played for for so long, um, welcomed in, you in, like you said at the start, um, probably frustrated in your time that you didn't win a trophy, but. Uh, they love you. Uh, how does that make you feel? And the legacy yeah, was, uh, you left behind with Monster. I, I was when you told when you uh, read out the beginning and you said uh, Monster and Irish legends. I felt a bit awkward when you were saying it because obviously you are a Monster and Irish legend. But uh, no, no, no. it's uh, it makes me. Uh, it, it look. I made a lot of sacrifices, and I've always said this, and I re- I felt feel Monster has also made a lot of sacrifices in me as a player. To get to where, where I was, you know, and um, it it makes it worth worthwhile everything. And uh, I always and I still have massive respect for uh, respect for Munster and and all the supporters uh, Munster and, and, and Ireland has, you know. And um, that's and it's a mutual. It feels like it's a mutual thing. And we, uh, me and my wife and, and, and my daughter, we we really uh, love love Ireland. You know, we we fell in love with the place and we call it home. And we still do, and it, it makes me feel good. Uh, I've made some sacrifices; everyone else did, and it's uh, it's it's good to be. And I almost feel, uh, almost feel uh, wanted, you know. Almost feel uh, that uh, people out there actually enjoyed uh, me playing. During your time with Monster, um, obviously, there's there's pre- we spoke about pressure earlier. Um, pressure from the supporters, pressure from the media. Uh, and look, the reality is um, Munster haven't won a trophy in, in it's 11 years now. Um, how difficult was that? Because he came so close on so many occasions. 
And did you feel that pressure? And and was that a big motive? I'm sure all the players wanted to win at times, but there was some kind of rocky patches as well and some great happy memories as well. But um, it would have capped it off if you'd got a trophy as well. But um, how did you deal with that? Or, or you know, the, those ups and downs along the way with Monster? Look, Gunny, I think it's 11 years. I think you were still playing when Monster uh, won something last. And uh, it is difficult. So, um Look, I think um, it's 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 uh, heartbreaking uh, thinking back, and I didn't want win anything with uh, Munster um, because when you we, every year we sat down and we said all the competitions we're involved with, we want to win a trophy, and uh, that's something we wanted to give back to supporters and the club in general. Um, and we had loads of success with Ireland, and that was that was great, you know. But for me, always Munster was number one, and um, it was my biggest thing that we always. A lot of people say, oh, the supporters and the media uh, put a lot of pressure on the team and the players. I sat down one day at the airport and uh, I took my wife. We were going to Marseille and I think it cost uh, 1,500 euro for her to go over for two days and stay in a hotel. And our plane was full of Monster supporters. And the next plane was full of Monster supporters. So for me, when someone uh, gives that much to a club, that much time, that much financial to a club and, and uh, to to go on a weekend like that, and that's every weekend. I felt that they can have a say. Um, they can say that they're disappointed and um, and and that they're uh, happy with our success if we are successful, you know. So I always felt that I wanted to give back to the supporters because they've made time, they, they've made uh, financial sacrifices to go around the whole world to see us play. And uh, it does put pressure on, on players. And uh, that's probably one thing that I wish uh, I could do as a player to bring back a trophy to Monster, but that didn't happen. I a sport can be cruel though sometimes, CJ, as well, you know, and that is sport. That's the way we teach our children and that's what we have to realize when we growing up. And they're the tough parts of it. But there's obviously so many happy memories. I just want to ask you before um I move on to Ireland, um just you know, the, what happened to Axel obviously had a profound effect on everybody. But for you um, and your fellow teammates at that time, it was uh, an incredibly difficult time. And actually to have to go out and play and continue on with the day job, something he would have wanted, and that's what probably happened. How difficult was that for you? And, and what are your your fond memories of, of Axel as a coach and as a friend? Yeah, we um, that was that weekend was tough. You know, we uh, we went over there and we actually that whole week we were ready to go and beat Racing. Uh, in our heads, we were ready. Like uh, Axel uh, got everyone bought into the the game plan and Rassi as well. And yeah, that that uh, hotel was uh, it was it was it was it was, uh, it was quite bad. You know, it's uh, something that not a lot of people go through, but no one knows how to act. That's the thing you've got. 40 people with with different uh, reactions and um, we got through it we got back to uh, Limerick and I remember that week we sat down as a leadership group and we said to ourselves that I think the game was actually cancelled uh, the next game against Glasgow we just sat down and a few of us said that uh, we can't we can't give Glasgow five points Axel would literally you would probably wake up uh, out of the grave and come kick the uh, <laughs> living hell out of us you know so <laughs> We made a decision not to train that week at all, go to the funeral on Friday and uh, play the game on Saturday. Um, and uh, I think that was probably the best decision we could have made. You know, I think a lot of people 
had a lot of feelings and uh, didn't say goodbye and just to have everyone in that stadium and to be part of that day and that that uh, feeling as a as a community in general was uh, quite uh, special you know but uh, my times with Axel was we've uh, we've had very good ups and very good uh, very very low downs you know we uh, we spent a lot of time together in 2015 16 uh, 14 as well when we as a group didn't do well and, uh, and Pete was away with Ireland a bit of it where he was injured so I was captaining for a while and um, I actually then saw Axel's real side you know and I that's where I I realized that that he was he was monster if you uh, if you would cut him open and take a blood sample they would say monster through and through and he just wanted the best for the team you know and uh, my best memory with him was probably uh, he would he would uh, always let me do uh, fitness afterwards or poaching or, or some drill. And he would be so, not say negative, but he would always give me so much shit, really. And uh, I would always walk away thinking, why the hell am I doing this? And uh, when I had my first cap for Ireland, he just uh, texted me and said, well, kid, there you go. Uh, you don't have to say thank you, but it's all my time I've spent in you and now you've made it. So uh, that was quite special. That's um, very, like, those memories are huge and they'll be probably things that will last forever. Like, Quinny talks about his playing days every week on this pod and we're trying to get him to understand that he's long retired now and we could, <laughs> you don't have to listen to them. So tell and me I, about I'm your... Sure, I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm sure both of you will agree, though, uh, genuinely. It was just... It was such a sad occasion, but that day, so that match against Glasgow... CJ, I don't think people will ever forget that day. It just mm. had this coming together of all the Munster fans, the players. Um, and I don't know if the All Blacks are the best South African team ever turned up that day. I don't think Munster were losing that game. It was incredible. And it was an incredible tribute to Axel and his family, to Olive and the boys as well. And uh, really special. I was really proud to be, to be um, you know, to be connected with Monster in a way, to feel some way connected with 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 Monster Rugby. And I know so many people felt the same. It was just really special. It's a day people will never forget, um, mm. even from outside the province, rugby people throughout the world. That was just kind of an iconic moment in sport, a coming together of people. And, uh, you know, in, in incredibly difficult circumstances, it was, it was a, a really special kind of tribute to Anthony but anyway if you want to ask uh, CJ about um, uh, all the yeah, abuse look, he took as a, as a project player <laughs> um, like my overriding memory of you playing rugby for Ireland didn't have anything to do with your ability on the pitch it was the first time Aaron Levine was sang and you belted out word for words and I think at that moment whatever a you know, you must have copped abuse or flack from people on this world social media, whatever it is. But I think at that moment, across the country, was the moment that you were accepted into Irish eyes and hearts, I think, because that was just, that was such a, a poignant moment. And I know you spoke before or afterhand about Donica Ryan helping you to learn the words and, and, and doing all your homework. I think that just... I think you were very clever. You you bought into those hearts and minds very quickly, and it was brilliant. Yeah, I um, I my biggest thing was that I wanted to show that uh, I want to be part of uh, 
of uh, this team and this country and this uh, this culture, you know. And I said this uh, a few years ago already, is that Ireland the Munster put a lot of time, a lot of uh, money into me as a player. And I actually just wanted to give something back. And uh, I, I thought about it for long. And the biggest thing, I just didn't want to go out there and start singing around a veen and not knowing where, what's the background. And as soon as I saw the, uh, heard about the background and uh, learned the story and the song, then I said to myself, well, this is the, uh, just singing this is going to cheer me up for this game anyway. So I just took that opportunity. And uh, Masa had great support. Uh, Donica Ryan was like, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have a chance. You know, he was in my room. He was, at the end of the day, I like I, start, I changed the rooms. I didn't tell him what my number was because he would just keep on banging <laughs> on the door to make sure I didn't get it in, you know. And yeah, I uh, I felt that uh, I was, uh, I, I did get a bit of abuse uh, for both sides, good and bad. But um, for me, really, it was just for me and myself saying, I'm part of the country now. I've got my Irish passport. I'm here to stay and I'm, I'm here to, to uh, make this team better. And uh, that was my big motivational point. Brilliant. And you got uh, you got player of the match in that first game. Just take us back to that Welsh game in Dublin. You're named in the squad in January 2016 and then uh, you play that game and you got, I suppose what's become in some, in some circles the CJ Stander Man of the Match Award. That's what I get slagged about because I give it to you <laughs> a good few times over the years. But... Um, that must have been an incredibly special day to go out uh, and in that first game and win the game and and get player of the match as well. Yeah, I remember um, Joe Smith um, just started talking to me just before the last oh, 2015 World Cup and uh, I qualified that November and um, I remember driving in the car and Limerick uh, saying to my wife that this I'm not in. You would have got an email by now or a phone call. And uh, we sat down and at like a tuna that all of us know and got the email, uh, excited, uh, confused and not knowing what's going to happen next and arrived in the uh, Carton House, trained for two weeks and uh, we were we were in the team hotel and we did a walkthrough and didn't look like me. Like for me, Joe Smith is probably the best coach I've ever worked with. So uh, he had a way to work with me that only he could do. You know, he uh, he almost made me feel that I'm not good enough, you know, uh, and, and in a good way. Because he really brought out the best in me every week, you know. So that week was tough. He was on my case like every second of the day. And uh, he selected me in the squad. And to start, I couldn't believe that. And uh, went out and uh, played against uh, Wales. That was, wow. Uh, you know, Quinny and me, if you know that the provincial rugby to test level is, is, is not a small step up. It was, for me, it was like two different worlds. And uh, just to be part of that and be strong and fit enough I was probably I probably played my best rugby in 2016-17 and I'm glad I made my debut then because I was fit strong and mentally in the right space and uh, that was a great day for me and the family so uh, what was the reaction we, uh, what was the, what was the reaction back home with your friends that you grew up with you played with South African under 20s your family your family had back you 100% your friends back back in South Africa what was the reaction like with those no, guys? I, Are they slagging you texting you? Yeah, yeah, I got a good bit of stick, you know. They, uh, they knew I couldn't talk a lot of English, so uh, they didn't really, they said I'm probably at the wrong spot. Uh, I probably just walked in there and, and uh, just said to them that I'm here now. But uh, <laughs> I got a lot of stick. They, uh, Especially the boys I played in the 20s with, uh, they uh, just said that uh, they can't believe it, you know. So 
Um, I had a good few friends who's in the Springbok squad as, as well now. But uh, it's all good. It's all good crack. It's not uh, nothing negative, luckily. Can I, can well, I ask you one? Too far. Yeah, Sorry. Go ahead, Sorry. Just, I just, I'm just very curious. Um, so obviously on the coaching band right now in relation to what was so good about Joe Schmidt in terms of how he brought the best out of you and and so many others, by the way. I just think he's, uh, his rugby brain, firstly, is uh, exceptional. You know, we when we beat New Zealand in Chicago, he uh, he, he called out the numbers and the tries we had to score. He worked out uh, the game plan that's going to beat them. And we just followed that down to the T and, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, that's one example. But uh, as a player, as an individual, uh, being coached by him, he never, like, uh, he was... I always felt that he's almost like a he's almost like a father, but an angry father. You know, he's, he's always on my case in a good way. He um, he made sure. Sometimes he would tell me at captains around that uh, yes, you had a bad training week and uh, you didn't really train well, and uh, he's not really sure if I should start stuff like that. And I'll be still angry going into Saturday. Then I'll play unbelievable. Then afterwards <laughs> I'll tell Jamri, I'm like, this guy like it's unreal. I don't know how he does it, but if he dealt with me any other way, I probably wouldn't have performed. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, for me personally, I think he knew exactly. He's a very good uh, player manager. He knows what player needs what, and um, he looked after me as a player. Like f- from my side, he was literally the best coach I ever worked with. And uh, when he uh, when he said um, he's, he's gone, you know, I was I I felt that um, that was probably time for me to go as well, you know, because I was wondering who's going to bring the best out of me. But uh, his man management and his his, uh, his knowledge of the game was was unbelievable, and uh, a lot of people can't deal with that. You know, um, I think a lot of guys just couldn't take the pressure that he gave you, yeah. um, and they just moved on. But that's what he, he wanted from a player to take pressure and to turn that into a, a diamond. It's a cliche, but that is it. Yeah, love it. And then you went on and played for the British and Irish Lions, uh, CJ. That must have been incredibly special as well. I actually hate mentioning the lines because uh, it doesn't bring back good memories for me uh, from 2009. But, you know, uh, going on that tour, uh, playing, I suppose, developing as a player with Munster first and foremost, then being ready to go up, play with Ireland, getting all that detail off Joe and being confident. That must have been the icing on the cake in 2017 when you went on that tour. Um Phenomenal achievement, really. Yeah, I, I actually never thought that I was uh, was going to uh, play for the Lions. You know, we we were training, and uh, all the other teams were, like they sat down and watched the announcements. We actually were training with Munster, and uh, the groundsman actually came to me and he goes, "Oh, you're in the Lions squad." And I was like, "There's no way." He's probably he's probably uh, taking the piss out of me, and uh, yes, uh, got selected. But then I did my ankle against the uh, Saracens, the uh, Mercedes Moses. So I was on the verge of not going. And uh, I just said to myself, I just have to get this ready. And I went on tour and unbelievable uh, to see, to work with uh, top class players across the world or across, the, across Europe uh, to go to New Zealand and to, uh, to be part of, I was part of, it's, it's weird. I was part of both squads, really. I was playing for the midweek teams and then also playing on the, on the test uh, training in a test match week, you know, so uh, juggling that. And I think I played, I think I actually played seven tours, six or seven games on tour. Uh, but uh, to play in that last test, the second test was the bench I didn't go on. Uh, last test to go on and uh, 
draw series was was confusing when we drew. I thought we were going to play another ten minutes, but uh, we got through it, and uh, that was that was unbelievable uh, experience and just an achievement uh, to be part of. And my family was they was still very proud, and it's one of the best achievements I have in my career for sure. When when you look back and uh, you look at the, your career as a whole in a whole. Um, People said you were too small in South Africa. They wanted you to be a hooker. You got called into the South African squad in 2012 to train with them, but didn't get picked for the rugby championship. When you look back now and you look at the journey of Munster, Ireland, British and Irish lines, the great teammates you made, friends you made, the 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 way people kind of supported you and backed you in Ireland, how, how does it make you feel? Are you really content in yourself and proud of... of uh, What's what's happened for you in the last number of years? Yeah, I, uh, if I look back, and uh, sometimes I forget the decisions and the road I had to take, you know. But if I look back, I'm content, you know. I'm I'm happy, and um, it, it just for me it shows again that uh, your life is is set out for you. Really, you just have to walk the road, and there's going to be kinks, and there's going to be ups and downs, and there's going to be times where you really doubt yourself. You know, I in twenty. 11, 12, I almost just went back to the farm and said, I'm not even going to play anymore because I was so down in the dumps with myself and then got picked up by Munster and then, uh, again, things just grew and, and, and grew, you know, and uh, just it, for me as a person, I went from a little boy and did something I loved, playing rugby, learned uh, a different culture, uh, lived in a different country and um, had an opportunity to to play uh, for a team that I think is uh, probably is obviously set in uh, history, but probably one of the best clubs and will stay one of the best clubs in Europe uh, in the world. And that's Munster, you know, it, that, that for me is, is something that no one can ever take away. And I uh, sometimes when it, it's tough at work and struggling with uh, deadlines, <coughs> I uh, say to myself that I, uh, I've, I've gone through worse, you know, and uh, to get all, through all of that and all the achievements, it was worthwhile. Look, the, the big thing for me that was, as I come off this call in a few minutes is in relation to, I can't help but think how brave you are to make a decision like that, you know, to understand your thought process, to be brave enough to say, look, I, I'm, if I don't have my competitive edge, then like I, I don't want to be playing this game because you're not going to get the best out of me. Queen and I both have definitely been there where we haven't enjoyed it and pushed through it and in terms of probably wrongly, definitely in my in my in relation to my playing career. Like I sh- you know what I mean? That's definitely something I probably stayed on too long in relation to that. And I think like it's an incredibly brave thing to turn around and say, Well, if I can't get the best out of myself, then I'm not gonna take the piss out of everybody else. And um yeah, you just blow me away by you blew me away by your opening statement, and I've tr- been trying to get myself back on track since. But um, look, it's been incredible to have you on. Incredible. Uh, thanks, Neil. Thanks for having yeah. me. It's uh, it's uh, one of those things that I I almost felt that I was going to feel guilty if I uh, take someone else's spot, and uh, like uh, it's it's weird. I never wanted someone else to say, "Look, you're not performing," and I took that away from the coaches, and I just said. I know I'm not going to start performing in the next six months, so I'd rather say goodbye now. And uh, I'd probably sh- uh, shock them, but I think when I started looking back, they probably they probably saw that there's a bit of a there's a bit of an edge missing. Your your legacy is intact 
taxed, CJ, because you didn't go and sign for the Bulls or the Sharks or the Stormers, which everyone predicted. I was asked that several times as well in different interviews. So you didn't do that. Um, you're still only 32. I retired at 36. So I think there's still a couple of years uh, you might uh, you might go back and play yet. But look, before we kind of wrap up, we'd love to stay and chat you for ages. And we've kind of about roundabout ways there trying to get the you know, your thoughts and feelings on the journey. As Neve said, brave decision, big decision. Um, you said it yourself. Half your kind of mentor said you were crazy and the other half said it was brilliant and it was brave. And it was, I think. So um, we focus a lot on the Munster supporters, but I think the people of Ireland took you into their hearts as well and mm. the Irish fans as well. So it wasn't just, um, I suppose, Munster was your kind of spiritual home. But when you started playing for Ireland, um, people loved the CJ Standard carries in the Eva and Thoman Park. And uh, we missed them. My son now runs uh, with the ball, kind of wraps tight in his hands and tries <laughs> to do the CJ Standard. The CJ Standard sit down, where you sit the opposition down. But um, no, it's an incredible journey and an incredible story. And I think... Um, you know, you're, you're fondly remembered as a Monster in Ireland player. And it's great to have you back this week. It was brilliant to have you back on Saturday. Um, we won't go through the matches, but Ireland had a great win against the Springboks on Saturday. It was uh, attritional. It was physical. And I'm sure it will be the same in Cork. You mentioned that um, it will be a special occasion in Cork. Monster kind of uh, been very, very unlucky with a lot of injuries this season as well. Mm -hmm. So... A lot of good young players coming through and Neve and myself have been uh, going through that in the last couple of weeks. They're in a tough place at the moment, but um, Thursday night should be brilliant. And then Ireland play play Fiji uh, on Saturday in the next November inter international. Final thoughts to you, uh, messages to the fans, to the rugby public of Ireland. Um, over to you. You can. Uh, it's not a goodbye, it's just... Uh, Maybe you can acknowledge anyone else you want there and uh, before we finish up. But look, it was brilliant to have you on the pod as well. I'll keep it uh, short and sharp. I always uh, get emotional when I when I get an opportunity to say uh, something to uh, the supporters. But yeah, just thanks for what you've uh, um, you've put into a into a young boy and the support we got as a family. And just thank you for everything that. Uh, that you do in general you know I think uh, going to every game and uh, having an input and uh, supporting the team and the players um, I just uh, I, I I was supported as a, as, a, as a player and as a person in general you know and I was I was known as CJ Standard and my wife and my my daughter and uh, we are really grateful to to have been part of uh, take rugby and, and, and uh, all those things out of the way just be part of of uh, the Irish culture and uh, the monster supporters and Irish supporters. And thank you for that. Thanks for always having time for me in my good times and my bad times. That's it. Nice, nice word, CJ. And I'm sure uh, you'll get a great reception in Cork on, on Thursday as well. Uh, that's it for episode 44 of the Red 78. To make sure you get your podcast straight to your phone every week, just search to Red 78 and press subscribe. Don't forget to get in touch with your thoughts uh, you can tweet us at Rugby Channel 15 or send Neve and I uh, a message on Twitter or leave a comment on YouTube. Um, thanks a million, CJ. It was great to have you on. Uh, you're being bombarded with questions there from both of us. 
Um, and also thanks to you, Neve, as well. We we we'll, we'll all look forward to Thursday night, and hopefully we get a good performance. Monster will be a special occasion. Thanks, Gunny. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Neve. Thanks for having me. The Red Seventy Eight with Alan Quinlan and Neve Briggs. Nobody knows Monster Rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. <laughs>